You're listening to the Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine, a roundup of this week's leading stories and industry comment from the world of investor relations. Direct from our central London studio, here's your host, Lori Havelock. This week on the Ticker Podcast, what the LSE and Deutsche Börse merger might mean, GRI picks out its golden reporters, and six tips for announcing a dividends cut. Welcome back to the Ticker Podcast. It's a weekly roundup of the top stories from around the world of investor relations. As per usual, I've been back in the IR Magazine studios with Tim Heeman and Condice de Montpetit. Hello. Hello. Good morning, guys. Well, first things, a quick story from the Financial Times from earlier this week. Uh, and there's a scam in which criminals impersonate the email accounts of chief executives, and it's claimed some $2 billion from businesses around the world in just over two years, according to an FBI investigation. It's sexually known as the business email crime or CEO fraud by the FBI, nice and descriptive, and has affected some 12,000 victims around the world. A criminal will mimic a chief executive's email account and then direct an employee to wire money to an overseas bank account for an average loss of $120,000 at a time. But in some instances, as much as $90 million for one transaction, let's say the US authorities. Uh, the chief of the FBI's money laundering unit, James Barnacle, a fantastically nautical name, said of the crime, it's easy. All you need is a computer. Uh, it's a little bit too encouraging, I think, as well. Most of the money made from these scams, Barnacle says, ends up going in bank accounts in Asia or Africa, where it can be harder for US to gain uh, assistance from local authorities. There have been similarities between instances, but there's no indication that it is one global operation. Um, I don't want to put any ideas in anyone's heads, but that sounds like quite a useful scheme for conniving IROs, maybe. I'm not suggesting that they empty the corporate bank account, but if you could pose as a willing CEO with time to spare, that might make your meetings a lot easier, at least. When we, when we do um, our awards research and investors and analysts can give comments on why they particularly like IROs, sometimes they say, it's just like talking to the CFO or CEO. In fact, too much like talking to the CEO. <laughs> so in, I guess in that, in, in that context, it's a positive thing. But it does mean that maybe the IROs would be particularly good at this particular scam. Yeah, you, you wonder, don't you, when they come out with the, the positions of people who've, who've carried it out. Well, maybe it will mean a bit of a pipe dream for IROs to have the perfectly compliant C-suite. But what doesn't look like it's going to remain a pipe dream for much longer is the potential merger between Deutsche Börse and LSE. Tim, you've been looking at this this week. Yes, the, the news was confirmed on Tuesday that the, the two groups, the London Stock Exchange Group and Deutsche Börse, are considering, quote, a merger of equals uh, to create a, uh, a super exchange group, which would be able to rival people like... CME Group in Chicago and an Intercontinental Exchange and the uh, Hong Kong Exchange Group in Asia as well. To what extent it is actually a merger of equals, though, is up for question. While the, the, the news at the moment or the reports are that the, the joint group would be based in London, but it would have a German CEO and uh, Deutsche Börse's shareholders would own slightly more of the uh, overall group. Well, as always, some people are more equal than others. But what are the what are the chances of this going through? Then it sounds fairly certain. Yes, I mean it, it's it's a bit, it reminds me of um, four or five years ago when there was sort of exchange merger mania happening around the world. You That's had, a tongue twister. It is. Um, you had London um, trying to tie up with Toronto. You had Deutsche Börse trying to tie up with uh, Nice Euronext, and and then Nasdaq trying to take over Nice as well. A lot of those a lot of those deals actually fell through in the end, but. The sort of the reports about this deal, London Stock Exchange and Deutsche Börse, is that this is quite likely to happen. And there isn't a lot of competition overlap between the two groups. So there, there isn't so much in terms of kind of antitrust problems. Um, it's sort of recognised that these two exchanges need to combine in a way similar to this if they're going to be sort of global players and, and, and compete with the, the biggest exchange groups out there. It's also people say that um, Javier Role, the, uh, the, the chief executive of the... Uh... Javier is in Spanish, Tim. <laughs> 
Tell me again. <laughs> Xavier Rollet. Xavier Rollet is um, he's he's you know he's a very experienced deal maker, and so he wouldn't have allowed the deal to get this far if he hadn't at least sounded out all of the important parties, including governments, regulators, and shareholders, about whether this could go through or not. There might still be a potential problem, I imagine, in the form of the Brexit. If that was happening, it might make any deal a bit harder to you know to justify. Make sense. Yeah, it's come at a very interesting time, obviously, with the um, the referendum on June twenty third. What happens if one part of this potential group decides to leave the EU? Although some people have said that this is why the news has come out now, because um, London Stock Exchange thinks that if the UK leaves the EU, then it's worth less because it's not part of the EU market any longer, and it would have to, you know, lower its terms a bit in terms of the merger. Um, I think what's also been pointed out is that actually whether the UK leaves or not isn't that important in that if the two combine, the the German part of it is in the EU and in the Eurozone. And so a big part of this overall group is already in those two important institutions. If the UK part leaves, you know, they're still a part of it overall. And what might be the impact for companies listed on either exchange at the moment? Uh, I think think the impact really is is pretty limited, to be honest. I mean, even when we were looking at exchange mergers four or five years ago, sort of, you know, they're interesting stories to follow and, and interesting takeover attempts. But the impact on listed companies really isn't that much because these deals are all about where these exchanges make money. And that's in clearing nowadays in derivatives. When it comes to the fees that listed companies pay and the services that get provided to those listed companies, that's a very small part of their businesses. The other thing is that for listed companies, the rules that they operate under tend to be defined by your local market regulations, regardless of who actually owns the exchange ultimately that you're part of so if you're listed in london you're going to be abiding by like uk listing rules regardless of whether the actual you know the exchange group is is held ultimately elsewhere yes well it reminds us that um a listed stock exchange is just a a company um like any other it has um, shareholders and has to make a profit and so whether it's based in frankfurt in london it's so it's gonna it's gonna be the same there's also that interesting angle to it as well, like the London Stock Exchange has to do investor relations itself. And, um, you know, everyone watches a little bit sort of extra closely because they're obviously encouraging other people to do investor relations well, but now it's their turn to be in the spotlight. Yes, you'd hope that they would keep it up to high standards. And on the subject of high standards, Condice, you've been looking at high standards in the exciting world, as you say, of sustainability reporting. The uh, Global Reporting Initiative, let's call it the GRI, an NGO which publishes guidelines for companies to report on ESG performance, has launched a new membership and engagement program called the Gold Community. So basically, uh, companies and organizations who sign up to the program are, um, we could call them the cream of the crop as far as transparency and and sustainability reporting are concerned. And uh, they got a lot of benefits. So companies who are part of this program, what are, what are the advantages for them? Nikki McKean-Wood, uh, GR's Director of Corporate and Stakeholder Relations, explains that, quote, we help them improve the quality of their sustainability reporting by providing a dedicated GRI account representative and giving them access to G4 Forefront, a continuous learning program designed to support organizations using the G4 guidelines. IR managers can also take advantage of, uh, quote, quarterly global market scans and executive bulletins to keep them up to date on the latest developments in corporate sustainability. And we know there are a lot of companies signing up to, you know, the GRI's principles of reporting and things like that. How many companies have shown interest in this gold scheme? For the moment, it's, a, it's more than 550 entities from 69 countries. And among them, uh, we have Canadian energy firm Suncor. I spoke to their IRO, Steve Douglas, who said uh, they've worked with the, the GRI for quite a while. 
He said, um, the new gold designation allows us to collaborate with other gold members and provides us with a, a higher profile in GRI publications. Additionally, GRI will review our annual sustainable report, and once approved, the report will carry the Checked by GRI logo. And beyond that, what other activities might members of the scheme be involved in? Well, they're going to play a key role in um, developing the, the initiative's flagship project called uh, Sustainability and Reporting 2025. No, not even called transparency or anything. That's, that's surprising. <laughs> also, the community is coming together for the first time in May at JRS uh, conference in Amsterdam. And they will be offered, quote, exclusive content sessions and dedicated networking opportunities aimed at enabling effective action towards sustainable development. It, it seems like there's a bit of a trend in this kind of sustainability area, both for companies and also for the investment community as well, where there's various different initiatives that people can sign up for and take part in. But, but now those initiatives are starting to bring in sort of like certification kind of thing, not just saying that, yes, you're a part of it, but you're actually good at this. And I think that like we saw with the UN PRI meeting in London last year, they were saying that lots of people have signed up, but the next stage that they want to move to is have a kind of some kind of certification for saying that you're not just a part of this, but you're actually doing it really well. And, and creating a kind of a, a tier of, of um, who's, who's doing it best. Good reports. Yeah, well, at the moment, it's just mostly principles, isn't it? So these are the things that would make up good sustainability reporting if you were going to do it. But actually, you're right. It's the next stage in saying they're doing it Approved. Way. Get Approved. the stamp of approval. I like that. I hope there is an actual stamp that gets put on these, the physical copy of their reports. With a big transparency logo thing. <laughs> <laughs> if they don't have one, we're going to have one shortly. And on the subject of reporting things effectively, I've been looking at how to break the potentially bad news that you are going to be cutting your dividends as a company. Uh, On the back of several large firms cutting their dividends in the past month, including oil giant ConocoPhillips, UK energy firm Centrica, and mining firms BHP and Rio Tinto, I thought it was a good thing to look at. Um, And another one of these companies is engine maker Rolls-Royce, which announced earlier in February that it was making its first dividend cut in 50 years, slashing it by 50% to just 7.1p per share, which is about 10 cents per share. Uh, Just a few weeks on, however, um, despite analysts predicting a plunge in their share price, Rolls-Royce stock is now the healthiest it's been since November 2015. John Dawson, who's the firm's IR director, admits that cutting dividends is, quote, never easy, but that properly announcing and explaining them is. Uh, He adds that understanding how investors see the dividend as a cash payment and an indicator of confidence or future performance is critical to making judgments about how to handle the issue. So I've got six tips from Dawson for announcing these cuts. His first one is to be upfront. Uh, flag up any potential changes early and be proactive in reaching out. He advises, quote, you cannot say one thing and then announce another, while anything in between is price sensitive. Number two, consider the impact on different kinds of shareholders. Look at your register, says Dawson, and understand that the news will affect, for example, uh, an income investor differently from a growth-focused one. Number three, be consistent with existing policy. Quote, look at all options and ensure your new wording copes with the range of outcomes, Dawson continues. You don't want two cuts in quick succession, or over any time frame for that matter. And number four, get management on board. You need your CEO or chairman on the front line, says Dawson, making necessary calls, answering emails. Don't rely on intermediaries to communicate for you, he cautions. And number five, brokers and other advisors, they can be useful sounding boards, but they should be used in a controlled way. Quote, they're not always right, and if you know your investors well, your views are important, Dawson points out. Plus, you know the sensitivities around future performance and need to keep options open. Number six, keep on top of reporting. Quote, bear in mind that once something is certain or highly likely, you may have a reporting issue, says Dawson. Manage discussions accordingly as you develop your options. There he goes, a whistle-stop tour of the best ways to announce dividends. But I think he's done all right because their, their stock is still some... Huge percentage up from what it was a couple of a couple of weeks ago, Rolls Royce. Clearly, there's a way to do it well. 
Mm. And the, the interesting times continue for John Dawson after the, um, they've had some activist activity at that company and now the dividend cut as well. Mm. A lot of uh, interesting challenges to deal with. Yes, he's not been there long and already he's got a range of issues, a suite of issues to deal with. Uh, I'm sure that makes a change from his uh, previous job at uh, National Grid. <laughs> I mean, not, not that it wasn't interesting, but I mean, you know, utility companies... It's dependable. They pay, they pay they, they, yeah, dependable and they, they pay uh, high dividends, so... It was funny, when I, when I called him up to ask him about this feature, uh, I said, I, I understand you've, you've had some experience in cutting dividends, and he just laughed and said, yes, yes, I have. And one final reminder before we go, that the IR Magazine webinar, Lean and Mean in 2016, is taking place next Thursday, March the 3rd, 2016. Um, you can find out far more information than I can give you at irmagazine.com forward slash events, but it's going to be about how to operate with a leaner budget, fewer staff, you know, that growing trend and how you can make the most of it. It's happening at 9 a.m. PST, 12 p.m. EST, or 5 p.m. GMT, Thursday, March 3rd. More details online. Otherwise, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at IR Magazine. And as I mentioned last week, you can now subscribe to the Ticker Podcast on iTunes. Yay! <laughs> the best place to find it, if you look at our Twitter page, it'll be one of the first links on there. Um, otherwise, you can just look for the Ticker Podcast or IR Magazine in the iTunes store, and you'll be able to find us very easily there. Thanks, Tim Condies, for being along this week and talking to us. Thanks, Laurie. Thanks, Laurie. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine. For free access to all the latest global investor relations news and analysis, register at irmagazine.com or download the app. 